I want to say this just as I wrote it. Where's the Christmas joy when we have unnecessary work, unforeseen obstacles, and sometimes unexpected expenses? Uh, where's the Christmas joy in that? And I want, to, I want to go right to a narrative that you've probably heard before, uh, maybe read, but perhaps never seen some of the, the Christmas truths in this passage. Here it is, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, Luke writes, Luke the physician and is considered by a lot of historians, one of the greatest uh, historians uh, of his era. He writes, in those days, Caesar Augustus, <laughs> Caesar, say that with me, Caesar Augustus. It meant, uh, he was, it meant of the gods, <laughs> humble fella. He issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor at Syria, and everyone went to his town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him, and was expecting with child. She was what? She was expecting with child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, there was no room for them where? In the inn. Christmas got off to a rough start. Uh, Caesar Augustus decrees that Mary, in the last few weeks of her last trimester, has to walk 70 miles. (laughs) How about that? She has to walk 70 miles south from Nazareth, uh, probably right along along the the highway near the Jordan River, to Bethlehem, which is at about 2,000 feet. Uh, Christmas gets off to a rough start. There's no... uh, There's no one in Joseph's extended family. He was from Bethlehem. He had relatives there. There were a lot of people there. No one willing to open their place. Just a few planks of space in what a lot of first century homes offered. A guest home. No one there to do that. Uh, Mary and Joseph would be (laughs) occupying a manger. It's kind of like a, a hostel in Europe, except it's without housing. It's just an area for cattle. And if you wanted to sleep there, you could. That's what Mary and Joseph faced. Utter homelessness. At the most memorable time of their life, at least up until this point. And then finally, talk about Christmas off to a rough start. It's Mary who will wrap Jesus in cloths. Sounds simple. Unless you've been to the birth of a child and know that that's not something a mother normally does. Normally there's a nursemaid. Normally, there's family or a doctor there. Not in this case. It's just Mary and Joseph to deliver Jesus all by themselves, to cut the umbilical cord all by themselves. This is how Christmas started. It's brutal. And it starts off with this this long walk. Christmas was off to a rough start, but God wasn't finished yet. Christmas was off to a rough start because... Joseph and Mary were asked to walk this lengthy journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 
And they were asked to by decree of Caesar, of Kaiser. He was the first Caesar of the Roman Empire. His name was Octavius. He's a former general. And uh, generals had led Rome for hundreds of years. And then at this time, they decided they needed a, and they chose several names. He could be considered the dictator of Rome or the king of Rome. They went with the name Augustus. It means of all the gods. You represent all the gods. And here he is making this decision from his office in Rome that everyone was to register in their hometown and pay a tax. And it included Joseph and Mary. Have you ever had someone make a decision in your life that just created unnecessary work? I mean, and I can't say this because I have no idea what it's like to carry a child. It just is such a foreign idea to me. Uh, But the idea of being told that you have to now, in your last trimester, you have to walk 70 miles. 70 miles. Wow. Sometimes the, the decisions that are made in our lives by someone that perhaps supervises us, maybe it's someone who thinks that, oh, we can go get another job, and they just practice willful termination, which is uh, legal, and we lose our job, and we've got to start over, and we feel all alone. Uh, or maybe it's a family member who insists on our doing something for them that creates a significant burden. It feels like unnecessary work. Or maybe, maybe it's a, a friend who asks something of you that just seems overwhelming. <laughs> uh, and you have to decide, well, am I going to do this? Well, do you have a choice? You could get in trouble if you don't. So Joseph and Mary take this journey, a long journey. Must have taken them days. I don't know how long it would take you to walk Let's say to Berkeley. How long do you think before you could get to Berkeley? Any hands? Who can get to Berkeley in three days? Anyone want to go three? How many are you with me just not going? (laughs) I'm not walking to Berkeley. It's not going to happen. It's approximately 70. might be a little bit more. But you know what? Sometimes you, you do what you're asked to do because you trust in the authority over the authority. Sometimes... You do what you're asked to do, not because you like what you're being asked to do, but because you know whom it may be that's asking you to do it. You can trust authority because you know there's another level of authority over that person that may be trying to do what he always tries to do, which is to protect us and provide for us. And no doubt that during this journey that Joseph and Mary had time to think about Uh, what has gone on in these last few months. Of course, Mary had spent three months with her aunt, Elizabeth, who mysteriously got pregnant in her 50s late in life. And uh, she had not had ample time to be with Joseph. They had time just to debrief, to have some windshield time as they were traveling north to talk about what's been happening. (laughs) It's unprecedented. You can't say, well, this happened to, you know, Abraham and Sarah, or this happened to... You know, David and, uh, and his wife Michael or Bathsheba. No, this happened to no one before us. There's no example we can say, hey, we're going to be okay. This is unusual. Mary, Mary had this incredible conception by the Holy Spirit. No example preceded it. None have followed it. They had a chance during this walk to talk. Maybe they also had a chance to see that God was actually pulling puppet strings 
Caesar Augustus thought he, from his office, he was executing uh, a direct order to ensure that the income of Rome would, would grow and his power would be made known. But what he didn't know is that 700 years prior, a prophet said that someone is going to come from Bethlehem that's going to change the world. It's Jesus. Micah said in 700 B.C., You, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come a ruler whose reign comes from ancient times, origins of old. He's referencing the pre-existence of this ruler who's, who actually tr- transcends time. That this guy who's coming has pre-existed. It's Jesus. And what we see is that God was doing whatever it took to fulfill his word. He'll still do that. He will keep his word. He follows through with what his word says. And so Jesus, to this day, you could go on Google and see that in Bethlehem to this day, people are gathering. Why? Because 2,700 years ago, God spoke through Micah and said, it's going to happen in Bethlehem. It's a crazy thing, this Bethlehem. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Sacramento is a sister city of Bethlehem, made possible by the mayor of Bethlehem, whose kids have gone to these schools right here at Natomas uh, a charter school for certain. I know that. Uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous tie we have with the city. And the city is significant because it was the place where Joseph and Mary got to experience and we get to see that getting from point A to point B isn't easy. Getting from point A to point B in God's plan isn't easy. And it's a truth throughout Scripture. Joseph was in prison for 13 years before he got a chance to do what God designed him to do. Moses was in, a, in, a, in the desert for 40 years before he got a chance to do what God really wanted to do through him at a more effective level. The Apostle Paul, tremendous education, but he spent years in the desert before he went and, and served the Lord with his full capacity. Getting from point A to point B... It isn't easy. You know, a couple who wants to enjoy celebrating a 5th, a 10th, a 20th, a 30th year anniversary, getting from point A to point B isn't easy. It's difficult. Raising children isn't easy. It isn't easy disciplining your kids. Uh, Being uh, cognizant of what's happening and watching them and encouraging them. Trying to pull virtue out of them instead of just You know, I'll do that again for you if you need the drama. It isn't easy being a parent. It isn't easy growing professionally. It takes self-denial. You've got to be willing to put the team first. You've got to put others first. You've got to trust that God's truly the one that's in authority. And when you do that, you get an opportunity that continues, that opens up your future. You can't always control. You can't control your spouse. You, you can't control your, your supervisors, but you can control your submission to the one who's in real authority. You can control that. You can continue to submit to him from point A to point B and watch him open up doors for you. Seriously, I believe that with all my heart. You keep following him personally, and you watch he'll continue to open doors. Jesus said it this way, seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, that's a promise I'm willing to bank on. The first Christmas was off to a rough start, but God wasn't finished yet. He wasn't finished with Joseph and Mary. 
and uh, he had more plans for them beyond B. I'll talk about it in a few minutes. The other piece we see here is that uh, while Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, <clears throat> we see this little description of what happened there when Jesus was born. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, or her firstborn, a son, as it says in the New International Version. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. So what's strange about this, if you've been at deliveries, is that she's doing it all by herself. There's no one there. There's no nursemaid. Her parents aren't there. Her Joseph's Extended family isn't there. His parents weren't there. And maybe some of them had already deceased. That's possible. But he's in Bethlehem. It'd be like your family living in Natomas and someone from your family delivering and no one showing up to be there. I can't imagine. No loved ones there all by yourself. Uh, this, this is what Mary experienced. What do you do when you're lonely? And folks do get lonely. It's not just a, a, a trite saying, especially in our culture where we're, we get a lot of our comfort sometimes from knowing well the actors and actresses on our favorite sitcoms or our favorite dramas. Sometimes we find, I think, too much comfort in sports and we don't have enough comfort from our neighbors, our friends. We don't surround ourselves with friends. And we need to uh, practice what I've been challenging the church. Our milestone for this year is open houses, open communities, you opening your home, you connecting with other like-minded families in your neighborhood, and doing life with your neighbors. That's what we've been challenging this year, and it's happening. Um, And we've been encouraging it this month for you to do it spontaneously. Be open to spontaneous opportunities. Uh, In this narrative, something spontaneous happens because outside of Bethlehem, there are are a group of shepherds. We don't know how many, but they're practicing the bread and butter of the Hebrew community. Hebrews, Jews, the Israelites, their bread and butter industry has been sheep herding. (laughs) I guess that's what you call it. And they've been doing it since they were actually stigmatized when they were in Egypt for about 400 years, 1,000 to 1,400 years. Uh, BC, they were stigmatized by it and actually placed in the area of Goshen. You can go on Netflix, there's actually a nice archaeological evidence on their uh, having lived there for 400 years before their exile, led by Moses. But this artistry, this industry of shepherding is what they did. These guys, in chapter 2, Luke catches them. They are approached by an angel at night. And the angel says that there's great news of, news of great joy that the Savior has been born in Bethlehem, not far from where they are. And uh, it says that in verse 16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So Mary had already delivered. She had already wrapped Jesus up in claws. They had, they had put him in a manger. And uh, when they'd seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Everyone had heard. In fact, I wonder if some of Joseph's family, who maybe had been staying away from Mary and Joseph, I wonder if they'd heard this news that the shepherds were sharing. How do you you tell a family member that 
this 16 or 17-year-old that you are engaged to, that she's, that's pregnant? How do you tell them? What do you say? <laughs> uh, really, mom, dad, <laughs> we've really tried to do this courtship right. <laughs> An angel appeared to her and said she's going to be, by the Holy Spirit, she's going to conceive a son. I promise I'm not kidding. Mom, you know cannabis is not legal here in Nazareth. <laughs> what is she? What do you say to your parents? It's awkward. And to, just to be serious for a moment, you know in the Middle East, you know how people who break the law are treated sometimes. It's awful. People are probably afraid. They don't want to get too close to her. They don't know how their friends will treat her. It's not just a stigma. It, according to the law, it could result in her being in her life being taken. And yet, at this point, God was doing a tremendous work. And you know what I think is is sad here is that rules and regulations that we read from the Bible, they're designed to protect us. But people are always before the rules and regulations. Just because someone doesn't do something the way I think they should doesn't mean they're not incredibly important to God and I shouldn't be willing to give everything I can to care for them. (laughs) Rules, the scriptures were designed for people, not people for the rules. I can't believe someone couldn't just give her a few rows of planks in their own guest room. (laughs) One student from our uh, Adventure Student Ministry came up to me and said, uh, after first service, can you imagine discovering that you failed to open your home to the Son of God because you were judgmental of his mother? <laughs> wow. I was like, that's a great point. Will you speak next service? That was great. <laughs> the loneliness they must have felt cannot even relate until these shepherds show. These shepherds with no doubt the glow, the remnant of a glow from having seen these angels. Telling them, Mary, we just heard from an angel. He told us that tonight, your son, his birth is the hope of the world. His birth means the, the, the truth that the Savior's been born. He, he, this is a great day of joy. It must have been surreal for her to hear. And as you, as you hear about Christmas this month, I just want to remind you that these, these shepherds that were there to Comfort, to comfort Mary. And you know, God is the God of all compassion, the God of all comfort. He wraps our loneliness in his comfort. He is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. But you can't, you can't help but think that when he sent these shepherds to her, it was somewhat of a foreshadowing. Shepherds were responsible for lambs. Lambs were the gift that Hebrews brought to Jerusalem, just seven miles away, to be sacrificed. Symbolic of our sins. It, it actually just pushed back your sins. It didn't atone for sin. But they, they sacrificed a lamb every day. And how ironic that someday this baby, someday this baby would be the lamb. Don't forget that the child that we celebrate this Christmas, and you know 
the word Christ, it's derived from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. Don't forget that this Christ would become the lamb. As his cousin said, John the Baptist, the lamb who would take away the sin of the world because of his willingness to endure God's plan, the difficult plan of going from A to B and suffering on the cross, and to comfort us in our own loneliness. The scripture says that God sets the lonely in families. Don't be surprised if God sends shepherds your direction this Christmas. If you're experiencing loneliness, I know I got phone calls this weekend of people that are going through very tough, tough times. I'm not just talking about job loss. I'm talking about difficult family situations where you, where anxiety and loneliness can set in. Hey, I encourage you, look for shepherds. And if you don't see them, become one. Go comfort someone in their loneliness. Go tell them that there's hope. Go tell them that God loves them, that he has a plan. And uh, no doubt these shepherds got there and tidied the place up a little bit. They knew how a manger was supposed to look. Maybe they put on a little pumpkin spice or a little snow candle, whatever. Be helpful. Christmas got off to a rough start, but God wasn't done yet. And he wasn't done with Joseph and Mary. As Joseph and Mary get approached the eighth day, according to Hebrew custom, on the eighth day, a firstborn boy was to be presented at the temple. In Jerusalem, he was to be circumcised, and the couple was actually to offer a sacrifice of um, turtle or pigeon doves. Joseph and Mary, did they have the resources for this? I mean, this is getting expensive. (laughs) How many of you have said that in your own home this week? This is, what? What are we buying? Do you know how much those are? We can't do that. Am I the only one that talks like that in my home? Hey. (laughs) Amen, bro. Uh, It's it's a hard life we face, isn't it? (laughs) Not kidding. Uh, But no doubt Joseph and Mary were concerned about these unexpected expenses. And in Matthew chapter 2, there's this narrative where we learn that that God knew that they were going to have expenses. He steps in. And in chapter 2 of Matthew, Matthew's that uh, author who wrote actually to uh, authenticate that Jesus was the king of the Jews. That's why it has such a long genealogy at the beginning. Um, But in chapter 2, it begins with the first uh, feature of kings, three magi from the east, three kings that come to worship Jesus. And it says that, When they heard, uh, or rather, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they offered their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And then, having been warned in a dream, they were told not to go back to Herod. These kings came to worship Jesus. I think that's the most significant. They worshipped him. They got on their knees, perhaps. The word worship does mean to kiss the ground before And they presented him gifts out of their treasuries. We assume there were three because there were three gifts. There could have been 20. We don't know. What's ironic is they came from the east. They came from, it sounds like, outside of the Israelite boundaries, which is already foreshadowing of Jesus' influence. And his influence is affecting the Middle East, even the non-Judeo-Christian Um, communities. It is affecting the Muslim world's missionaries will tell you that. Missiologists will confirm that. Uh, 
Jesus' influence would have that kind of robust fulfillment. But these guys bring gifts. They bring gifts that you bring to a king. Gifts of aroma, frankincense. Gifts of medicinal value with the myrrh. And then gold. <laughs> I mean, things were really... I mean, Joseph must have really been, really have been feeling the pressure. But when gold shows up at your door, oh, wow. A lot of stress disappears, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. Lots of gold here today, baby. <laughs> Can we focus on the gold today, honey? It's been a rough week. Here's the point. Where God guides, he provides. He's about to guide them to Jerusalem, but what they don't know, he's about to send them to Egypt, 200 miles south or more. That's like us going to Bakersfield. That's a long jaunt. And God provides them what they need. And here's the rule of thumb. I heard this for the first time from Chuck Smith as a kid. Where God guides, he provides. If he's guiding, he's going to provide. If you're guiding, watch out. You should see the Lord provide as he's guiding. Because he wants all the credit. He'd already provided the grace and energy for Mary, again, to walk 70 miles. And Joseph to be the man's man, groom, taking care of her. What an example. He gave them the strength to do it. He already provided for them the comfort they needed in their loneliness. Being alone, it's hard. Some of you are in jobs that are high stress. You feel lonely. Some of you are in, uh, you've got to run here the next few months. It's lonely. It's stressful. Hey, God's going to send encouragers like shepherds. Look for them, and if you don't see them, become one. (laughs) Lastly, where God guides, he's going to provide. He's going to provide what you need, like he provided for Jesus and Mary. Christmas was off to a tough start. There were, what do you do when you have uh, unnecessary work? You have unforeseen obstacles. You have... uh, um, Unexpected bills, what do you do? Well, you, you trust that getting from point A to point B is, of God's plan is difficult. It's going to stretch you. It's Joseph in prison for 13 years. It's, it's David under Saul's uh, bipolar, schizophrenic, uh, dangerous, uh, uh, lethal supervisory leadership for 13 years. It's, it's Joseph and Mary walking to Bethlehem. It's, uh, it's trusting God to comfort you in your loneliness, not going to artificial comfort. Going to people, <laughs> open your door, open your garage door, get out, don't hide, don't assume the fetal position this Christmas, get out, come by my house, surprise me. I heard this week, I had a parent come up to me and say, we've been praying for our daughter Four years, our daughter-in-law, four years. We heard she was at your house last week. How did that happen? I'm like, that's your daughter? Yes. We are continuing to pray. It was so special for them. I'm like, praise the Lord. We've been encouraging open houses. That's where life takes place. And lastly, trusting that where God's guiding, he's going to provide. Can you see yourself being someone that starts to trust in God? Not yourself, but in God to provide. In God we trust. Our forefathers actually embraced that. In God we trust. 
It was during the Cold War, actually, that that was written on our coinage, In God We Trust. We needed it then, didn't we, after the 40s? Imagine yourself being someone who comforts others in their loneliness, that provides others a family experience. I've reached out to a couple people and said, do you need a place to be for Christmas? Love to have you over for dinner. I hope you have. Just ask the Spirit, who do you want me to reach out to? And then, lastly, will you trust God to give you the strength to endure what looks ridiculous? Again, can you imagine being Mary? We've got to do what, Joseph? Are you serious? Will you look at this? I can't do this. You've got to trust him to get you through point A to B. And maybe for you today, it's trusting that this baby grew up to be a lean young carpenter, brilliantly ridiculous rabbi, who willingly suffered on the cross a substitutionary death for you. And his last words on the cross were, it was finished. He said it. It was finished. It is finished. And what is finished is the penalty had been paid so that we could have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never trusted in what he suffered for you. Today you get a chance to. Let's pray. Would you join me? Take a deep breath and just relax there for a moment. And I want to ask you to first just consider any difficulty you're facing in getting from point A to point B. Will you trust God with the supervisor, with the authorities he's placed in your life? Trust him that he put them there. If you're going through a season of loneliness or anxiety, will you look for people that he's sending to encourage you? Will you be someone that will encourage others? If you're here and you've been wondering, is God leading me and my family this direction? Will you just say from where you're seated, God, if you're guiding, show us by your providing. And if you're here and you've never made a decision to make Jesus the leader of your life, then I ask you today, right from where you're seated, to simply say, God, I accept your son Jesus as the leader of my life. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to acknowledge your decision right from where you're seated. I want to ask you to make a bold move and just raise your hand right from where you're seated. Anyone just say, yes, I believe in Christ. Today's the day. I'm committing to him. I'll make him the leader of my life. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this hour we've had. And uh, we just ask that you would continue to speak to our hearts in the next few minutes of our service. In Jesus' name, amen.